You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Rick Francis. I'm the pastor here among three. And uh, it's good to be here and serving in the kingdom, delighting in him. You know, the scripture says that we enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise. We come into his presence. And I was just thinking practically, Lord, we, we need to do that every time we, we come together. We've done that with song. We've done that in, in our petition. We've given our thanks. We've, we've taken those things that are in our hearts and we've laid it before him. But I just want to say a couple things. I am so thankful for the opportunity to serve here, to serve you. you. You guys are such a wonderful group of folks. And it's been fun watching us grow together, watching us get through some really poor stuff that we once believed was true about God, and now we, we know him. We're not going just for head knowledge. We, we, we don't in any way... Uh, diminish the value of head knowledge, but we've understood the supremacy of, of knowing Christ, knowing Father God, knowing Holy Spirit from our heart, and having that personal encounter and relationship with Him, which makes all the difference. And when we have that, then all the stuff that we've learned through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit's able to bring to our remembrance just when we need it. He's able to connect the dots and cause us to see God more clearly than we've ever seen Him. And I just want to thank the Lord for that, because this is the day that the Lord has made. I was just thinking of that. This morning, as I was in my prayer chair, I was just saying, Lord, this is it. This is it. This is the day that you have made. And I'm sitting there, and, and being a Bible student, I understand all about the eschatological, the day of the Lord, but I just kind of heard in my spirit, today is a day of the Lord. I thought, Lord, I want to experience everything that you have for me today. I don't want to miss anything that you're doing in the earth. You know, don't pass us by. If you're, if you're releasing an unusual expression of your love today, fill it, just pour it out on us. We, we, we want to receive it. Lord, if you're doing something new in the earth, start here. Start here. We want to be good stewards of what you are releasing from heaven to earth. We want to, to receive that. So in the next few weeks, the next four weeks of February, we're going to be starting a, a, a teaching series called How Is Your Soul? How is your soul? Dying all night. Hmm. That's a good question. How is your soul? I was raised in the Methodist denomination, and John Wesley was our hero, our patriarch. And what the Wesley brothers did when, when the revival was moving in England, they had so many new converts that they would get together every Wednesday. Wednesday for Methodists was a day of fasting and prayer. And they would gather on Wednesday nights and they wouldn't have a Bible class. They would sit around and they would have what they call a class meeting. Anybody know anything about class meetings? Class meetings is where you go around and say, 
How is it with your soul, brother? How is it with your soul, sister? And when I saw that the vineyard's picking up on that, I just got cracked up. I thought, how is it with your soul? Man, you're taking me right back to my roots. How is it with your soul? And we find that usually we, we, we're racing through life and we're staying busy oftentimes so we don't have to notice what's going on in our soul. I believe the soul is located in the heart <laughs> and, and, and looking into our hearts and discovering what our soul is experiencing can be a very scary thing. So we stay busy. We produce. We create. We, we, we develop. Instead of just taking time to be still and know that he's God. And letting him show us what's going on in our hearts. And what our heart truly longs for. What's going on. So in this next series, we're going to have four messages. One's going to be on your interior life. One's going to be on your family life. One's going to be on your active life, which includes work. And the other's going to be on your missional call. What is your calling? What is it in the body of Christ? Where do you fit? Where do you function? What is it that he has for you? What's the calling of the Lord on your life? And when we look at that, one of the things that I think is really, really important is that we all know that we need to grow, right? Anything that's living needs to grow. We got the little ones in the, in the building. Yeah, and they need to grow. And if they don't grow, we get concerned. We need to grow. But the question is spiritually, how do you grow? How do you grow spiritually? And our first, our, our first message next week is going to deal with that. How do we grow? We've got to be intentional. Growth just doesn't happen. If those little ones don't get fed, and if their digestive tract doesn't function, they're not going to grow. And we find that oftentimes one of the, one of the metaphors that God uses to help us understand growth is, is that of a tree. And I was taken to Psalm one. I love Psalm 1. Throw a little uh, passion translation at you. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? Hmm. They don't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. Their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am meditating day and night in his true revelation of light. They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree, <laughs> planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, <laughs> bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. This is what growing is supposed to look, be looking like in our lives. Growing spiritually. Growing closer to him. I love this. We're to be flourishing. In every season of our life. Fruitful. Growing. We've got a lot of folks in different parts of, uh, of those seasons of life. 
And sometimes we, 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 I think we get duped by the evil one into thinking that, okay, I've ran my race. It's time for me to go out to pasture. For Chuck, he went out to pastor. <laughs> he retired and went out to pastor. But the, but the reality is, is we, we, never, we never cease in our growth, in our development, in our understanding. God have mercy on my soul if when I hit 90, I ha I'm not thinking any new thoughts about how wonderful he is. <laughs> I find that there, there's a time in our life when we start gaining a bunch of knowledge that we think we've got everything pretty well figured out. But then there's that tipping point where we get beyond just intellectual knowledge and then we realize that we don't know anything, that we've just scratched the surface of the revelation of the goodness and wonderfulness of our God. And it's like, oh, let's keep learning. I'm speaking to my 90-year-olds here today. <laughs> keep growing, keep growing. There's more new stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to give you insight and revelation to of the Father's good love and the Lord Jesus, his, his passion for you. So I get excited about that. I like that. I was reading in the Passion uh, from Psalm 103, verses three through five. I, I thought this was just really, really wonderful. You kissed my heart with forgiveness in spite of all that I've done. Oh, I could just stay there forever. In spite of all that I've done, you've kissed my heart with your forgiveness. Oh. You've healed me inside and out from every disease. You rescued me from hell and saved my life. You crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You have supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. Ooh. I don't know how many times when, when, when I'm thinking and praying and I'm having these uh, encounters in the presence of the Lord that the first thing I think of is soaring. I just think, Houston, we have liftoff. We're soaring now, soaring in his presence, soaring in the intimacy of his love, soaring in the wonderful revelation of his truth. Just continue to soar and soar and soar with him. Mm. Well, I want to encourage you. This series is going to be really, really good. And it's, it's going to be something that you'll want to hear. Don't miss a week. Remember, if you do miss that the messages are on our website under our sermon podcasts, and I, I just encourage you to do that. Now, as I'm finishing up my New Year's message that I started, where I was talking about spiritual warfare and was encouraging you to come up and write your own personal decrees, your own personal declarations. We looked at, uh, we looked at a brother, that, a friend of mine that I, that I put up on the board, his declaration. I'm not going to put his up again, but I'm going to give you the backdrop of Ephesians chapter 1 <clears throat> and share with you some of the things that are, are being incorporated in my declaration, my decree. It's a personal thing that I tell myself every morning because I need to know who I am. I need to 
uh, confirm how the Father sees me and what he thinks about me. I need to come into that reality because in the course of the day, once you get busy and the enemy's taking cheap, cheap shots from your blind side, all of a sudden you don't have time to get quiet before the Lord. You're in the midst of, uh, of the hustle and bustle of the American way of life. So you have to know who you are. And as, as you work on your own personal decrees, your own personal declarations, it will help you in your spiritual warfare throughout the day. Now I've been blessed. I've had several people already saying they're working on their declarations. I've had some that have shared their declarations with me. Thank you, good and faithful disciples. Keep it up, keep working at that, keep cranking it. But for those that have yet to get started and those that weren't here on the first Sunday of January, this would be a little review and a, and a good time to get started. I was talking with Chuck the other day and, and we both were talking about Ephesians chapter one is so, so crucial for someone who's just come into relationship with God. They need to understand how God sees them and how he feels about them and who they are in Christ. And so we're, we're gonna look at, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start at verse five and go through 14. And then I'm gonna share the bullet points of my personal declaration. It should be up on the screen. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Underline that. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This superabundant grace is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. And through the revelation of the anointed one, he unveiled his secret desires to us, the hidden mystery of his long range plan, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. And because of God's unfailing purpose, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax. When God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were, before we were even born, he gave us our destiny, that we would fulfill the plan of God who always accomplishes every purpose and plan in his heart. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to long for the messianic hope, would be the first to believe in the anointed one and bring great praise and glory to God. And because of him, when you who are not Jews heard the revelation of truth, you believed in the wonderful news of salvation. Now we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride as the first installment of what is coming. He is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have 
all redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Oh, Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church and to each one of us individually. So from this passage of Scripture, my first declaration is, I am his delightful child. I am his delightful child. Now, I'm really tempted to have you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm his delightful child. But if you've been watching Facebook, they've been talking about preachers that always make you turn to your neighbor and say, and my wife has been pointing it out, <laughs> from her position of being an introvert, this makes us uncomfortable. So don't tell your neighbor that you're his delight, but tell yourself, tell yourself, I am his delightful child. I am in union with Jesus, the anointed one. There is a whole thing about our oneness in Christ that is so powerful. We have to understand that there is that union in Christ that we experience. It's very similar to the hypostatic union that theologians talk about of how Jesus born in the flesh, the incarnate son of man, and how his divinity as the son of God come together in this hypostatic union. And it's like, wow, he's, he's both. He is the son of man, he is the son of God. And we are son of Adam and son of Adam number two. We are a son of man and a son of God. His delightful son, his delightful daughter. Yeah, I like that. We gotta, we gotta just press in and ask the Holy Spirit to understand what union is because there's many different levels of union. And sometimes marriage is a good example and sometimes it's a poor example, depending on what kind of covenant of union there is between the two that are joined together. This union is one that continues to grow and to develop. My third is his tremendous love cascades over me. Just picture being in the waterfall of his love. That his love washes over you. Paul says in Romans that the Father pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given to us. And so whether it's a pouring in to our hearts or whether it's a cascading over, his love is, is, is dual active. It is, it is getting us from the very core of our being and it is coming upon our external and washing and cascading over us. I like cascade. It's a good dishwashing <laughs> detergent. And when I picture his cascading love, I see it coming over and it's cleansing and it is doing a super scrub. It's doing all sorts of wonderful, wonderful stuff. The same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for me. The same love. When I think of the love that the father has for his son and realize that is the essence of the same love that he has for me, I am undone. I am just unraveled to the core. I, I, I get so uh, discombobulated 
I, I can't even hardly walk when I think of how much he loves me. I am a beloved, I am a devoted believer who has been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. I think this is powerful. I am a devoted believer. I've devoted my heart, my spirit, my soul, my mind, my body to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first commandment. And as, as we, we enter into that, it's like, okay, my whole life I was raised in a holiness denomination and I've tried to become holy by my performance, by my activity, by my piety, by, by my, my spiritual disciplines. But here's the key of being holy. <laughs> I have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. Not by reading 35 chapters a day and praying 25 minutes a day, an hour, whatever. You know, it's by being in union with him that holiness is permeating us. It's, it, it's a reality that comes through our oneness with him. You continue to develop the intimacy, the growth out of the relationship, being intentional in your relationship with Jesus, and you won't have to try to be holy. You won't be touting and be self-righteous and a holier than thou. You, because true holiness brings with it a humility that you don't announce how holy you are. You just stand astounded at how good he is and how deep he loves us. God himself, the heavenly father of my Lord Jesus Christ, releases grace over me and imparts total well-being into my life. But my bunions still hurt. Total well-being. Where we find ourselves saying, oh, I've got an issue with that one. Now, it's coming from the scripture, so we've got an issue with the scripture. And that's okay. Because a lot of times when we read the scripture, there's something that, that causes us to kind of resist or, or bristle or say, I don't know how that can be true because it's not my experience yet. But it's not my experience yet. I've, I've, I've come in, in this last year to, to start to press in to everything that I resist. When I find that I'm bristling against a person or against a comment or against uh, a position, I just take a moment and I say, Lord, I don't know exactly why I'm bristling, why I'm upset, why I'm, I'm, I'm resisting, but I have some real resistance about this. Would you show me what's going on? I've come to realize every one of those moments that sometimes we might consider a negative moment is really a gift from the Lord. It gives us a chance to find out why am I bristling? Why am I withdrawing from this? Why am I resisting hearing this? And sometimes the Lord will, 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 he, he will come in and he'll say, it's because your love is not mature. You don't love the way I love. Oh, okay. Let's springboard from that and say, Lord, fill me with more of your love. 
help me to grow, help me to mature, help me to receive what it is that you want me to have in my heart. Sometimes it's because it's evil and you find you're resisting something because it's evil and it's wicked and it's dark and it's not of him and it's not of the light. And he uses that to say, yeah, and every time you sense this, know that the evil one is around. Realize that he's up to something. And so this is a, a, a resistant detector that helps you realize, oh, something's going on here. Now, Lord, I need to run it back through your heart and find out how do you want to engage this situation? And sometimes he will give you an anointing to minister to someone who is really heavily oppressed by darkness. And you can bring a word of love and light that will free them from the bondage that is squeezing them like a boa constrictor. Hmm. Find out what it is. Don't, don't, just, uh, don't just say, well, that's not my experience, so I, I, I must be for when we get to heaven. No. He's concerned about your total well-being. But I like hot fudge Sundays. Oh, Lord. He's really concerned about your total well-being. Ooh, I've got some resistance. Does that mean I've got to give up something? Lord, I don't want to give up my brownies. What, what, press in every place where there's resistance and watch him lead and guide you into total well-being. For some of us, we need to be delivered from the spirit of sugar. If there is such a thing. <laughs> Sometimes it gets on us, the cravings, it's like, ah, we got to cast this thing out. Yeah. Okay. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms has already been lavished upon me as a love gift from my wonderful heavenly father. Now this is where I go. I can't even comprehend every heavenly spiritual blessing. I can't even wrap my mind around that. But to me, it's telling me that there's always going to be more that there's always an opportunity to appropriate from heaven to earth that which the Father wants to give. I've, I've, I've mentioned this many, many times, an illustration, it's not original with me, but it's, it's, it's kind of a picture of when someone dies and goes to heaven and the Lord's showing them around and then he goes to the storehouse of blessings that he intended to give them while they were on the earth, but they never appropriated. And when, when I first heard a preacher preach like that, it did something to my heart. And I said, Lord, I wanna empty the vault. I wanna make sure that when I go to heaven, there's not gonna be some stuff up there that I didn't appropriate because I didn't know about it or I wasn't uh, mature enough to steward it. Because I think there are certain things that the Lord has to be careful and given to us, just like fathers. Fathers may like their kids to have a nice gun, but you don't give a loaded revolver to a five-year-old. You know, there's, there's maturation that needs to come. And so I'm constantly saying, Holy Spirit, mature me so that I can receive the next thing Father wants to give to me. What is it that's in the arsenal that he has for me that I've failed to access and appropriate into my life. I wanna know what is there because they're wonderful spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. I wanna receive those because there's a lot of stuff down here 
that needs attended to. Need to need to know what that is. So Lord, give it to me. Give it to me. <clears throat> He's lavished it all upon me as a love gift, and He's such a wonderful Father. He sees me wrapped into Christ. Once again, the concept of oneness, the togetherness. I like the woven, the, the wrapped, Christ in me, I'm in Christ. But when it's the wrap, that the Lord has wrapped me into Christ. Ooh, that's kind of cozy. That gives me some warm, cozy feelings. And then I celebrate him with all my heart. I, I find that Getting to the place of celebrating the Lord regardless of what's going on in the circumstances of your life and learning to celebrate the Lord regardless of what your emotional feelings are in the moment is one of the greatest weapons that we have in spiritual warfare. Because if the enemy realizes that he cannot stop us from worshiping, he cannot stop us from celebrating, he cannot stop us from praising and giving thanks to the Lord, I think he'll stop using the techniques of trying to orchestrate very, very difficult circumstances. But if he is able to orchestrate very difficult circumstances and it throws us into a depression, it causes us to be uh, doubting the goodness and the love of God, it causes us to move into unbelief, guess what you're going to get more of? Anything that works, that the evil one knows, works in your life, he's going to pour more and more of that on. And it's like, okay, wake us up, Lord. You've, you've spoken this all through the scripture. In all things, give thanks. You know, it's there. In my sophomore year of college, when I was very intellectual, a Bible scholar, above all Bible scholars, I decided I will praise God for everything but evil because I am not going to praise God for evil because I know it didn't come from him. What do you do when evil comes to you? Didn't come from him. He doesn't sponsor evil. But when the enemy's throwing evil circumstances at you, what do you do? You worship him. You worship the Lord. You give thanks to the Lord that he knows what's coming against you and he knows how to protect you. He knows how to get you through. There's no temptation that has taken you except what is common to man. And he will provide a way of escape. He will. It's in his word. So it's like, okay, when evil comes, step in to him and let him show you what his solution is. When there's not enough and we're in a place of lack, Lord, how do you want to meet the need in this circumstance of lack? And believe that he loves you enough that he will intervene. He will come. He will, he will show you what his plan is. I just love that about him. So I'm going to celebrate him. The good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Come on, come on. He chose me to be his very own. He didn't choose me to use me. He chose me to be his very own. A lot of us, you know, have people that have manipulated us and they wanted us on 
their team because of what we could do for them and how we could make them win. He chose us. He, he could win anytime he wants to. He's chosen to partner with us, but he chose us because he wants us. He chose us because he loves us. He chose us because he wants us to know that we belong to him. If you read the same passage in the NIV, you will see we belong to him. We belong to God. We belong to Jesus. We belong to the spirit. You know, we belong, we belong, we belong. He wants us to know where our family roots lie. They lie in him. We are his very own. He joined me to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Oh, my stars. They're actually his stars, but I like to call them my stars. It's amazing. Before he even created, before he even said, let there be light, he knew you. He knew you. He's not bound by time and space. This gets a little Western rational thinking all mixed up, but he's not bound by time and space. He's known you from eternity past into eternity future. And therefore, he knows everything about who you are right now. Hmm. He ordained me so that I would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. He set you apart. This isn't a necessarily a formal ordination service in the Christian ministry. This is the ordination that happens to every believer who invites Jesus Christ into their heart and repents of their sins and invites him to be Lord. He ordains us so that we could be seen as holy in his eyes, an unstained innocence. That's why the enemy always brings up your past, always reminds you of your most recent failure, always tries to get you when you look in the mirror to see the very worst instead of being able to see Christ in the mirror. He lives in you. You're one with him. There is an unstained innocence because you are one in him. I am now joined to Christ. So we got the whole joined and, and oneness again. I, I, I got to tell myself that a lot. So I, I keep that in there. I have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. I've been meditating more on the blood of Jesus uh, at this phase of my life than I've ever meditated upon it. I've received the benefits of it, but now I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me understanding of what the redemption by his blood has done. It's the total cancellation of my sins. And it's not because of anything I did. It's because of the cascading riches of his grace. Uh, cascading riches. Mm -hmm. Then my favorite. The super abundant grace is already powerfully working in me. Releasing within me all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. Folks, we're superheroes because we've got a super abundant grace that has been released inside of us. <laughs> and it is powerful and it's working day and night. One of, the, one of the greatest opportunities to allow this super abundant grace to be powerfully working in you is when you're sleeping. You know, I'm a proponent 
I believe that our sleep is sacred. I believe it, 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 is, it is when our spirit and the Holy Spirit and God's spirit, we're, we're merged together in sleep if we will invite him to come. So I always pray, Lord, I give you permission tonight to come. Let, let me have fellowship with you while I sleep. Take the stuff out of me that needs to be taken out, stuff that you never intended for me to have, pull it out. Stuff that I've never gotten that you want me to receive, put it in. And where I've got my wires crisscross and the positive is to the negative and the negative is to the po Lord, rewire me according to your will. Then I put my head on my pillow and I picture his blanket of affection coming over me and I go to sleep. I take authority. The devil has absolutely no, no right to mess with my sleep. If I wake up and I've had a, quote, a nightmare or some kind of negative dream, well, if it's a, if something that I found I resisted, I'll press into that and find out, Lord, what do you want to teach me? I, want to, I always want to learn. I want to press. I want to grow. But when I know this is just straight from the pit of hell, I take authority over it. I had dreams where people got killed in automobile accidents and I woke up and I just say, not on my watch. We're not doing this. I go put my head on my pillow and I write a new ending to that. I come to the, to the scene of the accident and I lay hands on everyone who died and they get resurrected. I'm not letting him mess with my dreams. There's, he has no authority over our dreams. If he's going to put something like that, you go back and rewrite a, a redemptive ending. and Let the Holy Spirit show you what he wants to show you. Do not allow the enemy any access to your sleep, any access to your dream life. Let the superabundant grace be released through the night times. And, you know, the, the psalmist says, even as I sleep, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me how you work. Let his wisdom be released. Pray for his wisdom to come that you just absorb it like a sponge as you go through that. Through my union with Christ, I have, I too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Right on. Oh, guess what? He gets to inherit you. You know, with the passing of my parents, uh, I, I, I thought a lot about inheritance. And uh, I thought, boy, I would like to leave some inheritance for my kids. And then I'm thinking, we're God's inheritance. Wow. Now, the problem is if I have such so low self-esteem that I don't think I, I'm valuable and I don't amount to much, and it's like, oh, you know, I'm the gift that uh, is going to get returned. You know, I, I don't have any worth, value, significance. We won't understand how excited he is about having us as his inheritance. But when we realize who we are in him because of our union with Jesus and the on-building, growing intimacy that we have with Christ, out of that, the authority and the power, he is going to be delighted with his inheritance. Before I was even born, he gave me my destiny. And I will fulfill the plan of God. Even before I was born, he knew what my destiny was. Now, we may not know what our destiny is. Wait for week number four, but go ahead and pray about it now. But week number four, we will look at that. And that'll be really, really rich 
And, and so I end with this, that I have been stamped with the seal and the promise of the Holy Spirit. He's been given to me like an engagement ring. Now, being a guy, that's a little hard for me to think that, you know, I'm getting an engagement ring. But being a, a, a child of God and realize that this is coming from the bridegroom to the bride of Christ, I get excited about that. We were in line at the home show the other day and my wife's pointing out, we got this older couple that's in front of us, not older, older, but probably 50. early 50s, yeah, early 50s and stuff like that. And I just look, and this guy has smiled the whole time he's in line. We're in line for 45 minutes to get through the, sh the house. And it's like, and I said, honey, they're on a date. They're on a date. Or they just got married. <laughs> Because he's smiling and they are talking nonstop all the way through. And, it's like, and then Deb says, look at the rock on her finger. Oh, my stars. He's, he's probably, he's, he's proposed. And this guy, she's, she was a little classier than he was. He, he's got money. He's got money, man. The size of rock that was on her finger, it was like, whoa. The engagement ring. The Holy Spirit's our engagement ring. I don't know how many carats your engagement ring is, but my engagement ring of the Holy Spirit, it is mammoth. It, I can't even put it on my finger. You know, I'm gonna to have to get a forklift to carry it. There is super abundant grace in the promise ring and the treasure of the, of the Holy Spirit that has sealed us the future inheritance, until I have all redemption's promises and experience complete freedom, all for the supreme glory and honor of God. Amen? Right on. Let's stand. Worship team, you come. Look at your personal decree, not as something that you got to do to turn in for a grade. And it's due by Wednesday. And so you're going to do an all-nighter Tuesday night. Look at it as, as an ongoing work of your life. I've got several things there, but there's other scriptures that when I read the scriptures now, I start pulling out the truths that the Holy Spirit is, is, is a, making known to me. He's highlighting it, and I'm taking them and acknowledging, yeah, this is, this is good. Sometimes you won't go through all your decrees. You'll just go through the ones that the Holy Spirit highlights. But continue to develop. Write them down. That's going to be an absolute necessity. We've got to write them down. So, Father, we just thank you for this informal sharing of your love, this uh, teaching on decree. I pray, Father, that from Ephesians chapter 1, we would continue to mine the wealth of love and truth that identifies us as being one in Christ, as being loved by you just as you've loved Jesus, that cause us to understand that the Holy Spirit is our, is our engagement ring. We thank you, Father, for the wedding that we're prepared for. And we say, Lord, let your love and your light fall upon us, for we ask it in Jesus' name.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.